do so. Uh, we're continuing in our series in uh, the Holy Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. I personally, I thought we would be in the gifts of the Spirit, okay, <laughs> is what I thought. Today, I started writing my sermon on the gifts of the Spirit, and I was like, wow, okay, then fine. We'll stay with the fruits still, Lord. <laughs> so we're staying in the fruits. I just uh, felt like I have to uh, complete it in a proper way and uh, that it makes sense as, as we turn back and look at it. So we're still continuing on the fruits of the Spirit. We'll finish it. The fruits is more like the cake and the gifts is the icing. Most of the time, we spend a lot of time on the icing. You know, I did see a little child today eating all the icing. It's some of us like the icing. It's just, it's, it's fun. We just, that's all we care about. But we can't eat icing every time. You know, it's the, the gifts of the spirit. It's just an icing. It's, it's the gifts. It's his gifts. He does whatever he wants with it. And you use it however he wants. Uh, but we can't focus and make it uh, the most important thing. The fruits of the spirit is very, very important. None of the fruits of the spirit, none of them are feelings. You can't be like, I don't feel like loving anybody today. I don't feel like I want to show joy and, and, and goodness and kindness to anybody today. It's not a feeling. It's, uh, if we don't know that, we will end up, wind up trying to cultivate a feeling instead of cultivating a condition. It's how you live your life is the fruit of the Spirit. The way we show goodness, last week uh, we saw on uh, joy, we saw love the week before, and then we saw joy, peace, and forbearance. And, uh, and kindness, and this week we'll, we'll continue on goodness and, and, and faithfulness and self-control, gentleness. So we're starting off with the goodness. The way we show goodness to the world should lead them to Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 10 says this. I'm just going to read this passage from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The way we show goodness to the world should lead them to Christ. You know, the Bible says, don't become weary in doing good. It does. Sometimes when you're the only person doing good, it could end up becoming a little tiresome. You're like, you know, I don't want to be the good person. I don't want to be the good guy. The Bible says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, not just to particularly to your family or people you like or, or people that you see. The Bible says, let us do good to all people. And in the first service I was talking about it, you know, it's if you've studied on Islam, it's like I grew up with a lot of Muslim friends. And, and when you study on Islam, Islam directs them in the five uh, uh, pillars of Islam. It tells them that you have to only be good to other Muslims. You have to only give food to Muslims who are hungry. You can't give food to other people. You have to you have your specifically target only your people group. It's not for anybody else. It's only about you. But in, in, in the Bible, it says, therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people. It's not just specifically for Christians or your family or, or people who are good to you. The Bible says to all people. God is not, you know, saying, hey, only listen, let's just do this only to these people. And then he throws in over there and says, and especially those who belong to the family of believers. And then God says, okay, and the family too. Sometimes it's difficult to do good to family. You know, family can just rub you just the wrong way. 
You know, you're like, you know, pastor, I could do good to a lot of people except the person at church. You know, I have some issues with them. You know, it's like, because, but the Bible says, especially to those who belong, it says, do not become weary in doing good. Because in the due time, there's, there's an harvest. And in the right time, God will bless you for being good and, and for showing goodness. But eventually, the way you live your life of goodness is going to lead other people to Jesus Christ. It'll lead people to, to follow Jesus. Faithfulness is only needed in our own personal relationship with God, but it's also needed in our own personal relationship with our friends and family. The next gift is, is faithfulness. The Bible talks about having the fruit of the Spirit, which is faithfulness. Faithfulness in the Scripture is one of God's signature traits. It's woven all through the Bible. Look at the Bible. The Bible is big on faithfulness. Well, let me read a passage here. It says Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It talks about Jesus just faithful to the call, faithful to what he's talking And the Bible says we need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and be faithful in what you start. Faithfulness is not just in our, in our relationship with God, but also faithfulness in our personal life. You know, we live in a society where faithfulness is really not all that. And, 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 and the way the world lives it out, it's like it's not very important to be faithful in your relationship. It's not really important to be faithful in your marriage because that's what the world's teaching us and, and the relationships and, and how they emphasize and overemphasize on people who are not faithful in any kind of way or, 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 or shape or form. And, 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 the, and, and, and that's what is most of our times are our, our role models that we try to show to our kids. But the Bible says faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, being faithful is very important. Faithful in your workplace. Faithful at, uh, in your relationship. Faithful to your wife. Faithful to your children. Faithful as a, as a parent. You know, that's why we have you know, so many issues in our country because you don't have to be faithful to anything that you do. You know, it's like uh, people, I, I, I was spending time with a young man a couple months ago and I was talking to him about, about his life because I had noticed that, that he was just living his life in a very crazy way, doesn't go to our church and, and, I, and I ended up hanging out with him and I said, hey, how many kids do you have? I, I see you with all these different people and doing different things. How many kids do you have? And he's like, pastor, I have 18 kids. I was like, wow, 18 kids. And he's a young boy, young guy. He's like 21, 22 years old. He has 18 kids. I was like, wow, you're like 22, 23 years old. You have 18 kids. And I was like, is it, uh, like, is it all with the same girl? How is this working? He's like, no, 18 different girls, 18 kids. Because somewhere, nobody told him what it means to be faithful. I said, did you ever tell these girls that you have 18 kids? Or like you have another kid somewhere else? And, and he's like, nope, I never tell them that I have another relationship. And so the last couple of months, I had been spending more time with him, telling him about what it means to be faithful in life. Faithful as a father. I said, you know, do you understand how, how ruined and how, uh, how messed up these children are going to be without a father? 
that, that you have you've not thought about being faithful in your life. And over time now, in the last couple of months, he started his own business and, and he's slowly trying to change his life. And, and he sends me pictures when he's hanging out with all these different kids and, and he's just going out of his way and trying to do things. And he's like, Pastor, thank you for talking to me about being faithful. Because I never thought about my kids and, and what my choices will do in their life. I just was living my life. I never thought about, about being committed. Being faithful also means being committed. It's staying strong in what you start. And I think we, we're raising young people to not be faithful in their life. And it's okay if you do this or it's okay if you do that. And it's very important as men that we show our children what it means to be faithful in our life. Faithfulness is very, very important. It is, it is a gift. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's how you live your life. It's not how you feel. I don't feel like being faithful to my wife today. It's not a feeling. It's how you live your life. I don't feel like, like being a dad today. It's not how you feel. It's you, you are a dad to your children. And that's why when, when now the, the government has changed the rules on abortion and, and different things, there's, there's such an uproar in our country because, because the problem is people do not want to be faithful to the choices that they make. Because everybody have to understand this. There's a, there's a repercussion to the choices that we make in our life. And, and because we are being taught that it's okay, we can do whatever we want with our life. And, and there's no real consequences to, to the choices that we make because we can just live whatever we want. And then what happens is many of these young men are not held accountable. And so many of these young girls have to carry the burden all by themselves. And so now the girls feel even more threatened and even more uh, ostracized and even more of a heavy burden to carry. And I feel as, as men, it's very important to teach your sons and, and teach your children and, and, and exemplify faithfulness in your life. More than any, anything else, it's very important that you talk to other men about being faithful and, 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 and being loyal in your life to things that, that you start. And I was, I was sharing it uh, with, with in our first service about my son. You know, my son, he started to uh, do wrestling in his school. And a couple months in, it's just a lot of work and stuff. And he just was like, I'm not going to wrestle anymore. I'm just going to not do this for my school. And then I had to have a conversation with my son. I said, hey, listen, when you wrestle, it's not about you. You're representing your school. Some days you might not feel like it but you're representing your school. It's bigger than you. The couple hundred kids who go to your school are, are proud when you win, you represent your entire school of Grafton. You know, sometimes when you start something, you can't just finish, stop it anytime because you don't feel like it. You stop when, when you have a valid reason to stop something. It's like, you're like, no, I can't do this. Here's why I have a valid reason. It can't just be based on your feelings. I don't feel like being a dad today. I don't feel like, walking through the decisions I've made today. It's, it can't be based on feelings. It has to have very, very solid biblical reasons in your life on why you're doing what you're doing. And I know it's, it's not an easy sermon when, when we talk about faithfulness. And, and it's like, in, even in business, you know, when, when I spend time with guys who are recruiting companies and, and people who own recruiting companies, they say, right now it's very good for you as a, as a person who works if you jump from company to company within a couple years. 
the more companies you jump, you can eventually end up becoming a CEO. Or, or president of your company the faster because they don't see it as loyalty or faithfulness anymore. They just see it as, as you have more experience. Back in the days, if you went from one job to another in five years, if you had five different jobs, they would ask you, what happened? Why did you jump five jobs? Now they look at it and they're like, wow, you have a lot of experience. No, no, no. The, the person is not faithful to anything. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And at, at some point, people have to start questioning some of the values and, and things that we have built into our children. And I told them, this is what you do. This is the easiest and fastest way to come up in life. No, some things. And so that's why when they're in a relationship or when they're in something, they just want the easiest, fastest way out. And, and they're like, oh, my marriage is difficult. I, I, I just, why don't I go get married to someone else? No, you're just messing more people's life up because you just do not want to be faithful to the promises that you make to someone in your life. And it starts with little, little decisions that we make. And as parents, I want to encourage you, hold your children accountable to the decisions that they make. In their life, faithfulness, it requires trust and loyalty. You know, to be faithful to God, you have to trust that he has the best for your life in his mind. Our faithfulness allows us to trust in his promises to us. It's saying, God, you have made this promise. I know this is going this way, but I'm going to trust you no matter what. No matter what happens, I'm just going to walk through this process. That you are going to guide and lead and do whatever you're going to do in my life. And you just, you just trust God. The next thing is gentleness. Gentleness is power and strength under control. Being gentle doesn't mean you're weak. It's you're having your power and, and, and self under control, your strength under control. First Peter chapter 3, the Bible says this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It's okay. The Bible says you should have an answer for why you believe in Jesus and why you believe what you believe. But it says that you should do it with gentleness and respect. Especially in the world that we live in, the, the world is going to always talk back and say bad things to you and put you down. That's, that's part of the world. That's perfectly fine. You don't have to match their energy. The Bible says when you give an answer, give it with gentleness and respect. It doesn't matter what they're saying and what their opinions are. And especially when you go on social media, the world is just so angry and they're so upset and they say so many things. And, and as Christians, we want to reply back with the same kind of energy and, and we miss out the Bible says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. A couple of weeks ago, I had a person get very upset, his pastor, uh, and he was very upset, and he said a bunch of stuff, and when I replied back to him, I replied back in a kind and nice way, and I didn't, you know, I didn't get upset, and I said, hey, you know, sorry if, if I've offended you or said something that you feel is, is wrong, it's okay, and I explained everything, and, and we got done with it, and fast forward, he calls me last week, he sent me a text on Father's Day, on Sunday, hey, listen, I was praying, and I was wrong. What I said and what I did was wrong. You guys uh, as a church and you as a pastor did the right thing. I, I was wrong. 
And then, and then the Bible says that keeping a clear conscience, I knew in my heart I did the right thing. I even called the guys on our board. I remember calling Phil and said, Phil, can you look up a couple of these things? Is, are we doing the right thing? And he's like, Pastor, we're doing exactly the right thing. And I had prayed about it and I said, okay, Lord, I'm just, then in my mind, I had a clear conscience so that those who speak against your good behavior in Christ can be ashamed of this land. It's, it's up to God and up to them. Eventually, God will remind them and God's like, it's okay. I'm going to work on that. It's, it's, it's better if it is God's will to suffer for good than for doing evil. It's better. It's okay, the Bible says, if you're suffering for good. It's okay if you give a good, gentle answer and somebody's treating you bad. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to have my faith in you. But you just, you just trust in the Lord. Proverbs says this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, sorry. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In a translation, it says, the Lord is coming back. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So everybody should be able to see your gentleness. This is a gift that the Bible says that it should be evident to everybody. When people see you, they're like, man, I just love how you handle situations. I love how you speak with gentleness. I love how you have respect when you, when you have a conversation. And, and, and the Bible says it needs to be evident because Jesus is coming back. The Bible wants to remind us that Jesus is coming back. It's like it's, it's just very important your gentleness be evident. Self-control is control over the self. That's what self-control means, if you didn't know. It's control over the self. Titus, it's like I did Google it. I was like, what is self-control? I was hoping for like a very deep theological, if you were hoping the same. No, it just says control over yourself. Like control yourself. Get a hold on yourself. If your parents have ever said, said this to you, get a hold of yourself. What are you doing? That's what it was. So get a hold of yourself. It's self-control. That's, in Greek, it means the same thing too. Get a hold of yourself. Anywhere, English, Greek, Tamil, any language you look at, that's exactly what it is. Self-control. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live life, self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present world. It says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. That's what self-control is, is having a control of things in your life. And I tell people, they have speed limits for my self-control. Because if they didn't have certain rules, sometimes as people, we don't like rules. We don't like regulations because we get upset. We're like, how dare they try to control me? It's like some rules are there to help people, okay? Some people don't know what self-control is. When I get on a motorcycle, I don't know what speed limit is. Okay, so when I see it, it reminds me, I'm like, ah, it's 70. It's not 170, it's 70. There is no one. I am not seeing a one next to the seven. There is none. Okay, so it's like I try to have self-control. It's like it sort of brings you back into this place. Self is the toughest weed that grows in the garden of our life. See, when you go in front of the mirror every day and see, that is the biggest problem you have. It's not your wife, it's not your kids, it's not your work, it's, it's not God. It's not even the devil most of the time, it's you. You are the biggest weed in your life sometimes. It's like, it's like when you do things out of control, when, when you go out of control, have you, I don't know how many of you have ever got a speeding ticket. You know, when, when you get that speeding ticket, you're like, God, I could have had better control. 
I knew better. Like if you've ever had conversations, you're like, I will never do this again. And three weeks later, you're like, ah, I will <laughs> do this again. It's like, you know, I had to get just one thing. Just one ticket and grafted. I was like, I'm not driving fast again. It has been now almost three years since I got one. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I just, I, I didn't get myself into control. Okay, it's like, you know, my daughter, I love my last kid. Uh, she always does this. Whenever I get my coffee, she adds very less sugar, almost no sugar sometimes, because her mom's told her dad needs self-control and sugar. So, so then, uh, so she'll never add sugar. So whenever I, I look to her, I'm like, babe, what's going on? There's like no sugar. She's like, dad, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. I can't drink coffee without sugar. She's like, okay. Then she'll bring the sugar over with the tiniest, like a play toy uh, spoon. Like she'll bring like this. I'm like, that's not even a real spoon. It's like a, a doll spoon. You can't. She's like, I am taking care of this. And, uh, and she'll, <laughs> she'll just put like, like cups. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, come on. And she's, like, and she's like, dad, you need to not have so much sugar. She's helping me with my self-control. You know, sometimes if you can't do it, you need to bring people into your life who can teach you that gift, you know, like that fruit. God, help me with this fruit. Because self-control is having control over self. It's helping yourself be able to, you know, like, like that's why I like my wife. You know, my wife, she's always helping me with self-control. Like, I like to eat more than one cake. I, you know, whenever I go to any event, I go straight for the dessert. Because I made a promise as a child. I said, when you become an adult, eat the dessert first. <laughs> Eat dessert first. So now that I'm an adult, go straight for the dessert, okay? Because I made a promise to myself. And I go for the dessert first, then I go to the other regular meal. So now I've turned it around. The dessert is the main course. The main course is the dessert. So I eat very less of the main course. But if my wife's around with me, she always be like, babe, that's enough. I'm like, what is this? So like, you need to have self-control. But, but it's good. Because sometimes, some things, you know, having self-control in our life is a good thing. Because something's out of control is not good. You know, any area of your life, if you don't have control over it, or if you don't have a person helping you in those self-controls, like you have a coach, or you have someone who's helping you in, in fitness, and, and then they try to help you have control over things in your life, it's like if you don't have it, then, then it becomes a problem. It causes issues in every area of your life. It's like when you have self-control, the Bible says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. The reason there's so much problems in the world is because people don't know how to say no. People don't know how to say no to ungodly stuff and worldly passions. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. We are a walking battleground. Our flesh is battling with us. To live by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So if you don't have control, it's like a city that, whose walls are broken through. And if most of America, the very few, it's not even most, if few of America had its way, we would have no borders. Like they would like the borders to be open, which again, coming from a different country and, and, and being an immigrant in America, I like the borders in our country. It's like if some people feel like it shouldn't be there, then I'm like, hey, Listen, there's many of us who have come into the country legally, and there's a process to come into the country, and it's very good. The Bible says it's not good for a, for a country to not have borders or to have its walls secure. Like, if you go to India, you will understand really fast how secure our border is. It's very, very secure. When you go to the border, even me as an Indian, when I go to the border, they tell you, hey, listen, this is the line. It's like an 
It's almost like an imaginary line. You never see it. But when you cross it, there'll be a bullet that'll come real fast at you. It will cross over real fast. And people die real fast. Because it's like if you cross over on the other side, the people on the other side don't like Indians. And, but if you're crossing over from that side, the Indians don't like you. And so there's, there's a whole force of just military that stays on our border that just watches for people who are crossing. So if you cross over, you're going to die. It's not, it's, not, it's not very different. It's like, because the Bible says that, that it's very important. A city whose walls are broken through is like a person who has self-control. Self if you don't have control over yourself, it's same like just having everything just free. There will be no control. Everything will become chaos. Sometimes there are rules that, that, that the world has that, that are in place because of the control. And, and, and it's to bring certain kind of discipline. And sometimes it's a little difficult for us to understand or we get upset and, and uh, we just live in this world where everything should be how we want it to be. It's like anything else is going to not be okay. But that's how we've lived in this world and, and it's just, just about impossible to bring any kind of regulations or rules and, and it starts becoming difficult. In our life, it starts with walking, then he leads, then we produce fruit, and we eventually start living by the Spirit. So this whole fruits of the Spirit, as we're wrapping up, it all starts with you starting to walk with the Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit in your life. If you never receive the Holy Spirit, you just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You receive him in your life, and then you start to take these steps. You say, Holy Spirit, I want to walk with you. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Bible says that Jesus, in the fullness of the Spirit, walked into the wilderness. And when he came out, he came in the power of the Spirit and ministered. So the next week, we'll look at the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit comes from walking with the Spirit, where you say, Holy Spirit, come in my life. And you start walking with the Spirit. Every day, you start taking some steps. And now... All of a sudden, the joy and love and peace and faithfulness and kindness, goodness and self-control and all of these things and gentleness start to show up in your life. As you start to walk, in verse 18, if you go down to verse 18, the Bible says this. For verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They both are like opposite. Okay, they are in conflict with each other. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So eventually, as you walk with the spirit, the Spirit starts to now lead you. He's starting to lead your life because he's like, okay, you want to do this with me? Okay, now I, let, let, me, let me lead you. There's paths that the Spirit now starts to lead you. So eventually you go from walking with the Spirit now to being led by the Spirit. Now the Spirit starts to tell you things to do and not do. Before you had to ask, now the Spirit starts to automatically speak because he's leading you. And the Bible says eventually in verse 22, you see the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, because of the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's His fruit that comes out through your life. And He's the one who brings this love and joy and peace and kindness and faithfulness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. He's the one who's bringing all of this in and through your life. But the Bible says this, but our works, the works of the flesh, like you, you don't need any help to do this. The works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
dissensions and factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says your works and the fruit of the spirit. See the fruit is not something you work or you lived your life a certain way and the Lord's like, ooh, let me give you a fruit. It comes from the Holy Spirit being inside of you and this, this, this whole fruit shows up because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's who's inside of you. And it's because you are grafted with, with, with the Lord and then it's, it's now showing up. These fruits are showing up in your life. But the works that you do, these bad things that you do, getting angry and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, that's just you all on your own. You don't need help for that. That one, if you're wondering who's doing all of that, if you just see in the mirror, that's just, that's that person. You blame that person. If you need somebody to blame in the mirror, just ask your wife to stand next to you. Okay, so it's just, but otherwise it's just all on you. Just all on you. You can just, that's you. The Bible says the works of the flesh. That's you, just working it on your own. But the fruit of the spirit, that's, that's the spirit. That's him. You need that help. Like you can't just love someone unconditionally without God's help without the Holy Spirit. You can have joy in a very bad situation without the Holy Spirit. You can have peace when everything is going crazy without the Holy Spirit. You can't show goodness or gentleness or self-control without the Holy Spirit in your life. When he shows up, he gives you all of these things. And the Bible says in verse 25, since we live, so now it goes from walking and then he starts to lead and when he starts to lead, you start to have fruit. And then once you start having fruit, now you're living with the Spirit. The Bible says, since we're living in the Spirit. In verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So now it takes you to another step as we're wrapping up. It goes from walking. So you make a decision. It's a conscious decision. It says two cannot walk unless they've made a decision to walk together. So if you're going to walk with someone, my wife every day asks me, babe, do you want to walk with me? It's, I have to make a decision. Most of the time I say no. But uh, these days I'm like, yes, let us go walk. But it's, it's a making a decision. Okay, I want to walk. We'll walk today. And you, you take this process. So it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit says, hey, listen, you can invite me into your life and walk with me. You can choose to bring me along and, and we can walk together. The moment you allow the Holy Spirit to walk together, now the Holy Spirit's like, hey, listen, can we take a left turn here? Like, yeah, yeah. Because now you're being led by the Spirit. The more you allow Him to take left turns and right turns in your life and, and go straight and stop and do all of these things and allow Him to lead your life, now you start to see the fruit. And the Bible says, now this is evident to everybody else. Now people are able to see it. They're like, wow, something about your life is really different from everybody else. And they're like, wow, something about your life is different from how you used to live. And the Bible says, now the fruit of the Spirit because now people are able to see love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, and then it says, since we live by the Spirit. Now, as you've been led by the Spirit, eventually now you're like, man, we're just going to live together. This is great. I just love this. I just love this life. And the Bible says then there is no law against the things of the Spirit. It's like, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. So now, if you've ever been in any kind of military thing, when I was in school, I was part of, uh, part of this uh, military group for our school like it was like it was like uh, the boy scout but it was run by the military it was very very strict 
In the Boy Scouts, they don't spank you. In the military program, they would spank you really a lot, okay? It was very different in India. It was run by the military, and it was very, very strict. And, and um, they would make you march, like, up and down for quite some time in, in hot sun. And you had to be in step. They'd ask you to put your left foot, right foot, and they'd ask you to turn uh, left and turn right, and they would shout out these commands at different times, and then you're holding this gun, and you're doing all kinds of stuff, and it's just, it wasn't fun. I didn't like it. My parents loved it. Uh, I did. But I was in it. But one of the things you had to realize that was they were looking for persons who were not in step, and you were really, you, you really stood out if you weren't in step. If you didn't listen, here's how you always went out of step, is if you didn't listen to what the, the commander was commanding. It's the same thing. Now when you start living with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you start to live in step with the Holy Spirit. When you live with the Spirit, you need to be in step. You need to listen to what he's saying. He is, sometimes he's like, hey, hey, listen, don't turn to that left. You lose some self-control there. You're like, no, no, Lord, let me take a turn. I will not lose it. Okay, that's where you lose it. Okay, it's like you can't, you need to listen to him because now you're living with him. Church, remember not to become conceited provoking and envying each other. Let's stand with this verse. Galatians chapter five, verse 26, as we wrap up. It says this, let us not become conceited. Basically, let us not think that we are something more than somebody else. And then it says, provoking and envying each other. The Bible says, you don't need to envy somebody else. If somebody else you feel have a great relationship with the Lord, just, just be happy for them. That's good. The Bible says, don't think that you are something just because you do something. Like sometimes we, we try to judge people based on how I'm living. Like, you know, when I'm going to worship, I lift my hand up. But that person next to me, you know, I'm, I'm doubting if they're even saved. Like the Bible says, that, don't do that. Let us, not remember, uh, let us remember to not become conceited. Let us not think big of ourselves. Oh man, you know, when I go into the church, I never take donuts in. But I, I have doubts about the ones who do. If I was preaching, I would have a donut too. I, I'm telling you. It's like, don't think twice. I, I would definitely grab the chocolate donut and be sitting in the front. But, you know, it's like, because it's like, those are not my thing to decide. Because the Lord says, don't think big of yourself. That it says, remember, when you're walking and living in the Spirit, this is very important. Because sometimes you might have the fruits all the fruits of the Spirit in your life, and, and it might lead you to look at other people a little different. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about them. And the Bible says, remember, don't envy. You don't need to envy somebody else's marriage or their kids or their relationship. The Bible says you don't need to worry about that. God loves each and every one of us just the same. You might love me more. That's, that's separate, okay? But all of you are same. You're all on the same level. It's all on the same, same page there for you guys. But, you know, God loves you. God's not judging you because you didn't read your Bible today and somebody next to you is like, oh, I read my Bible 10 times this morning. It's fine. It's fine. God says, you know, don't, don't challenge. It's like challenging one another. Don't challenge other people. Don't, don't be like making them feel bad. Love one another. Church, I want to encourage you, remember to... Walk, and then you'll be led. When you're led, you will start to live. You'll start to have the fruits, and then now you start to live. And when you start to live, that's when people get saved looking at your life. Father, we come to you today. We ask that your Holy Spirit 
would start to lead us. If you're just in the walking pace, place in your life with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you, would you allow the Holy Spirit to start to lead you? If you're just in a place where you're like, you know what, the Holy Spirit's been leading me, but I need the evidence of the fruits of the Spirit in my life. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, put more of your fruits to grow in my life. If you're having fruits in your life, just, God, I want to just live. Live my life in the Spirit. Every moment, I want to live this life where people see you in me. Father, continue to guide and lead each and every person. As your word says, now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us both now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.